For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And uh, today we're kind of going to expand on that whole concept of Christian freedom. So I invite you to just let the words of uh, the songs today and the the preaching and the sacrament and all of that um, uh, fill you with this as you worship, as we worship together. And know that whenever God's spirit is welcomed, uh, God's spirit uh, brings freedom uh, to us. Will you bow in a moment of prayer with me? God of love, you have brought us into uh, this place and into community with people of, of, of a whole different variety uh, and shape and sizes, and we're all here to worship you this morning. Uh, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of who you are. So open our hearts um, that we may see our, uh, our similarities and our differences with joy and uh, see it as part of your never-ending uh, creation instill in us a spirit of acceptance and understanding so that we might be Christ uh, in, 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 to the nation, to the world, to the community around us. Uh, sustain us by your love and your spirit this day as we worship you, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. July 4th is a national celebration, and we uh, use this weekend to think about our nation's independence and freedom Um, But we know that our nation was also founded by uh, people who were religious, many who immigrated here to avoid religious persecution. Some people in our country in more recent decades have wanted to separate uh, the church and the state by doing so actually limiting some of those freedoms and rights as, as a people. But since religion is a, uh, involves a relationship that binds us to God, it is really impossible to have a total separation of church and state. And by the very fact that most people in our country claim that they are religious people, uh, we pray that our faith will continue to inform uh, our decisions and values as a nation. This weekend has a lot of meaning for folks uh, beyond sometimes the, the, just the time off work and the fireworks, but an annual reminder of the privileges that are ours as, a, as God's people. Um, resources, the God-given freedoms that we share, freedoms that we should not take for granted. So we are here this morning with glad and grateful hearts uh, and to sing our praises to God, to uh, give thanks for our nation and our world, give thanks for God's loving care over uh, each of us. And we're going to be talking about the Apostle Paul's words today in the New Testament book of Galatians, uh, chapter 5, where he uh, talks about Christian freedom. And we're going to put, uh, take a, a different look at, at freedom in the sense of how, uh, what are the freedoms that we as a people of God experience and how can we manifest those in the community around us. Pray with me, will you? God, your word tells us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So we come today convinced of many things, but sometimes trusting in very few. God, you are uh, the God of limitless surprises, and we invite you to meet us in this place today as we touch that which we cannot see, that which we have not yet dared to hope for. Open your word to us anew today so that uh, we might follow you and trust in all the promises in Scripture that you have given us. God, we are here to worship you, so open our hearts and our minds and uh, allow your spirit to uh, fill us with yourself this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
the New Testament book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says this to us, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. What a good line to ponder as we get ready for Independence Day picnics and parades, but watch out, freedom, freedom can be as explosive as a 4th of July firecracker. Listen to this study. Two economists discovered several years ago that the freedom to shop on Sunday contributed significantly to bad behavior. And the people most affected are the ones who are most religious. Surprising but true, Jonathan Gruber and Daniel Hungerman studied what happened when states re repealed blue laws. Some of you are old enough to remember blue laws. I don't know if you had those in Michigan, but we had them in Pennsylvania. Blue laws were statutes that prohibited the Sunday sale of non-essential items like appliances and furniture and jewelry and liquor and cigarettes. And at one time in this country, they were common in many states. Uh, as I said, including Pennsylvania, where I grew up. I remember walking into a Rite Aid store in my hometown and seeing barriers set up near the front of the store so you could only purchase um, a limited number of food items, that's like milk or bread, and the Sunday paper. And that wasn't all that many years ago. Well, one of the things that these researchers have found out uh, about the repeal of the blue laws is that when blue laws were repealed, church attendance decreased all over America. When stores began to open on Sunday, church attendance decreased, imagine that. And drinking and drug abuse increased. Most uh, striking was the fact that the biggest change in bad behavior mostly occurred among those who said that they frequently attended religious services. Before the shopping ban was lifted, 37% of people attended religious services in America, at least weekly. But once the stores were open on Sundays, attendance fell to about 32%, and it's been dropping like a rock ever since. And instead of going to church, many of the faithful evidently were going astray. Mar marijuana incre uh, use increased among church attendees compared with those who had never gone to church services, as did cocaine abuse and heavy drinking. Now, instead of being in church, uh, you're working or you're shopping in the mall, says economist Daniel Hungerman to the Washington Post. And he suspected that the time at the mall, whether a person was working or shopping, increased their exposure to sinners and surrounded them with more party folks, you know, party animals. And his point was this, open the, door, uh, the stores and suddenly Sundays became more sinful. As Americans, we certainly are great lovers of freedom, but it's, a time, it's time we took a good hard look at the dark side of independence. Like kids who got, get their driver's license and then wrap their car around a tree, or a student who goes off to college and drinks too much and, at a frat house, we've got to learn how to handle the freedom that we are given, and that is what gets us into our text this morning. What we do when we suddenly, what do we do when we suddenly find ourselves without boundaries, without constraints, 
Do we have to become total party animals stumbling from regular church attendance into drug and alcohol abuse? Or can there be a much more uplifting outcome to being set free, as Paul says, from the law? So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. This liberty doesn't have to result in sinful behavior. Paul's letter to the Galatians can be understood as a spiritual declaration of independence because it frees us from Jewish legal obligations and insists that we become right with God only through our faith in Jesus Christ. But Christian liberty is not a license to go crazy to do whatever we want. Freedom in Christ is freedom to do what Jesus wants. It's freedom that says, I no longer, it is, it is I who no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. For you have been called to live in freedom, writes Paul to the Galatians, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Don't assume that your faith in Christ is a get-out-of-jail-free card for the pursuit of personal pleasure, drinking and drugging and promiscuous sexual behavior. That's the mistake made by the ancient antinomians, meaning people who were against the law. Antinomians believed that Christians were not bound by moral law, since God's grace was so broad and so vast, and, and that whole idea has popped up from time to time over the centuries, from the days of the ancient Gnostics even to today. Certain groups in the Middle Ages practiced sexual license as an expression of Christian freedom, embracing the heresy of the free spirit. Now, such ideas really uh, made the Apostle Paul want to challenge this kind of thinking. And to the Romans, he wrote, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? And then Paul's answer to that rhetorical question borders on the expletive. In the Latin, it's absit. In English, the equivalent is heck no, or something stronger than that. So Paul opposes this self-indulgent tendency when he says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. He knows that if we are servants of one another, then we are not going to behave in selfish ways, and we're not going to abuse each other. For the whole law can be summed up in one command, says Paul, love your neighbor as yourself. And he challenges us to love one another as Jesus loved us and to serve each other as Jesus has served us. Now, the Blue Law study indicated that when stores became uh, open on Sunday, marijuana, increased, marijuana use increased by 11% among church attendees compared with those who never went to church. Cocaine abuse increased by 4% and heavy drinking by 5 percentage points. And although the study doesn't say so, you can imagine that there were some other pleasure-seeking behaviors that increased as well. So Paul lists some of those in this chapter in Galatians in verses 19 through 21 when he says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I've 
have before that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. These are signs of freedom, yes, but not Christian freedom. The liberty we have as Christians is the freedom to love our neighbor and to act as slaves to one another. Now, maybe you're thinking that all this talk of selfish pleasure-seeking has little to do with you. After all, you don't smoke pot, you don't snort cocaine, you don't go on alcohol-fueled benders, and licentiousness and idolatry and sorcery are not part of your Sunday morning routine. For you, this talk of Christian freedom has a definitely Uh, has a different but equally important message. And here's the message I want you to hear today. You have total license to go crazy with good works. Look what Paul says in verses 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And that's abs- there's absolutely no regulation against having too much joy in our life or being too patient with other people or showing excessive generosity. Go ahead, says Paul, knock yourself out. There's no law against any of those things. When was the last time somebody came up to you and said, would you just stop being too loving? Please stop being so joyful so peaceful, so patient with with me. You know, we don't have this problem because we are timid about using the freedoms that God has given us. You may be thinking today, hey, Rod, you're a great guy. And you've been really supportive of me. You encourage me all the time. You're patient, you're happy, you're cheerful. And when I need something, you're there for me. And you've always been that kind of guy to my family. And I appreciate it. but, But would you please just cut it out? Just stop it. I've never had anybody come and tell me that. (laughs) The first part or the second part, you know. (laughs) Enough already. Who's going to say that? No one is going to complain. No one's going to put a limit on your love and your generosity and your joy and your patience and your kindness that you show to somebody else. We have unlimited freedom. You see, to be followers of Jesus Christ, that's the amazing gift that we're given when Jesus sets us free. Sadly, it's a gift that few of us put into practice each and every day. Well, maybe it's time to show our independence and unleash some of those good works on the world around us. Maybe it's time to focus on the fruits of the Spirit instead of the desires of the flesh. Maybe it's time that the church uncorks some of that love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity even to a greater degree on this community. Bernie Siegel, who's the author of several books, including Peace, Love, and Healing, recommends that we ask ourselves, how could I behave if I were a more loving person? And then he says, start acting that way. Identify a role model and begin to imitate that person. And then he says, I follow Don Quixote. I view the world with love. I tell people to experiment with this. Judge no one you meet for the first uh, 24 hours. And then love everyone you meet. It's incredible how that changes your relationship with people. When we judge people, you know, he's lazy, he's no good, he only wants my money, he doesn't care about me, we project that and we affect those people. 
But when we walk around being loving, it's incredible, he said, how people begin to respond to us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, all of these are gifts that we can unleash on the world because we've been given unlimited freedom to go crazy with good works. Back about 2006, you, some of you may remember Warren Buffett, one of the world's richest men, decided to give 85% of his fortune to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to help cure the world's most fatal diseases. It was an incredibly generous gift, about $31 billion. But more significant than the size of the gift is the mission of the Gates Foundation. When Bill Gates was interviewed about the work of his foundation, he listed the reasons that people give for tackling global health problems. He said some use economic arguments, uh, stressing that if we cure something like malaria in an African country, then the country's gross national product will be higher. Some use security arguments, saying that if we don't cure these diseases, the instability in, in many countries would increase. Some use neighborhood arguments, uh, pointing out that somebody could get on a plane from one of those places and bring diseases to our own country. But none of these arguments, Gates said, is the right one. The right argument is there is a mother's child who is sick, and that child's life is no less valuable than the life of anyone else. And the world has plenty of resources, Bill said, to go solve these problems. There are plenty of problems in the world, some caused by mosquitoes in Africa, and evidently some caused by stores being open on Sunday in America. But we have an abundance of resources to solve those problems. We have financial resources, we have intellectual resources, we have spiritual resources, and the right argument is always that people are in need and every life is precious. You see, the time has come for the church to stop holding back. On this, our spiritual independence day, I invite us to break free from being stingy with our God-given love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity. We have total license to go crazy with these good works and start unleashing those gifts on the people around us. What might that look like? Well, here's a story I want to share with you this morning from Christian author and professor Tony Campolo. In his book, The Kingdom of God is a Party, he tells of flying to Hawaii to speak at a conference. He describes checking into his hotel and trying to get some sleep, and unfortunately, his internal clock wakes him up about 3 a.m. The night is dark, the street is silent, the world is asleep, but Tony is wide awake and his stomach is growling. And he gets up and he begins to prowl the street looking for a place to get some bacon and eggs for breakfast. Everything is closed except for this grungy dive in an alley. So he goes in and he sits at the counter and the large guy behind the counter comes over and asks, what do you want? Well, Tony isn't hungry anymore. So eyeing some donuts under the plastic cover, he says, I'll have a donut and some black coffee. And as he's sitting there munching on his donut and sipping his coffee at 3.30, in walks eight or nine provocative, loud prostitutes who had just finished their night's work. And they plop down at the counter, and Tony finds himself uncomfortably surrounded by this group of smoking, swearing hookers. And he gulps his coffee, planning to make a quick getaway. Then the woman next to him says to her friend, you know what, tomorrow's my birthday. I'm gonna be 39. 
To which her friend nastily replies, so what do you want from me? A birthday party, huh? You want me to get you a cake and sing happy birthday to you? The first woman says, oh, come on now. You don't have to be so mean. Why do you have to put me down? I'm just saying, it's my birthday. I don't want anything from you. I mean, why should I have a birthday party? I've never had a birthday party in my whole life. Why should I have one now? Well, when Tony Campolo heard that, he said he made a decision. He sat and waited until all the women left, and then he asked the big guy at the counter, he said, do they, do they come in here every night? Yep, he answered. The one right next to me, does she come in every night? Yep, he said, that's Agnes. She's here every night. She's been coming in here for years. Why do you want to know? Because she just said that tomorrow's her birthday, and what do you think? You think maybe we could throw her a little birthday party right here in the diner? Cute kind of smile crept over the man's chubby cheeks. Hey, that's great, he said. I like it. He turned to the kitchen and he shouted to his wife. Hey, come out here. This guy's got a great idea. Tomorrow's Agnes's birthday and he wants to throw a party for her right here. His wife comes out. That's terrific, she said. You know, Agnes is really nice. She's always trying to help other people and nobody does anything nice for her. So they made their plans. Tony says said he'd be back at 2.30 the next morning with some decorations, and the man whose name turns out to be Harry says that he would make a cake. At 2.30 the next morning, Tony is back. He has crepe paper and other decorations, and he has a big sign uh, made out of cardboard that says, Happy Birthday, Agnes. And they decorate the place from one end to the other, and they get it looking really great, and Harry had gotten the word out on the street about the party, and by 3.15 a.m., it seemed like every prostitute in Honolulu was in that diner. It was hookers wall to wall. At 3.30 on the dot, the door swings open, and in walks Agnes and her friend, and Tony has, has everybody ready, and they all shout and scream, Happy birthday, Agnes! Agnes is absolutely flabbergasted. She is stunned. Her mouth falls open, her knees buckle, and she almost falls over. And when the birthday cake with all the candles is carried out, she really totally loses it. And now she's sobbing, she's crying. Harry, who's not used to seeing a prostitute cry, roughly mumbles, just blow out the candles, Agnes, cut the cake. So she pulls herself together and she blows them out and everyone cheers, cut the cake, cut the cake. But Agnes looks down at the cake and without taking her eyes off of it, slowly and softly, she says, look, Harry, is it all right with you if, I mean, if I don't, I mean, what I want to ask is, is it okay if I keep a cake, the cake a little while? Is it all right if I don't eat it right away? Harry doesn't know what to say, so he shrugs and he says, sure, if that's what you want, keep the cake. Take it home if you want. Oh, could I? She said, looking at Tony, she said, I live just down the street a couple of doors. I want to take the cake home. Is that okay? I'll be right back. Honest, I will. She gets off her stool, she picks up the cake, and she's carrying it in front of her like it's the Holy Grail. Everybody watches in stunned silence when the door closes behind her. Nobody seems to know what to do. They look at each other and they look at Tony. So Tony said he got up on a chair and said, what do you say we all pray together? And there in that hole in the wall, greasy spoon, half the prostitutes in Honolulu, 3.30 in the morning, they are listening as Tony Campolo began to pray for Agnes. And he said, I prayed for her that her life would be changed. 
I prayed that God would be good to her. And when he finished, Harry leaned over and with a trace of hostility in his voice, he said, hey, you never told me you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to anyway? And in one of those moments, when just the right words came, Tony answers him quietly. He said, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. And Harry thinks for a moment and in a mocking tone says, no, you don't. There ain't no church like that. And if there was, I'd join it. Yep, I'd join a church like that. Paul says to us, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that we stay free. May that freedom be powerfully demonstrated to the world around us by the love that we have for each other and by our willingness to serve even the least among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Amazing and often surprising, God, we come to you in so many ways. And sometimes you surprise us in the majestic moment of a sunrise or a smile or a kind word, and other times in a place where we would least expect it and through people whom we would least expect your, your presence. But God, guide us with your love and your wisdom. Enable us to become even more aware of you and your presence in other people's lives. Help us to be open in our minds and hearts to your presence in all the places that you put us so that we might demonstrate the freedom that Christ gives to love and to serve others in his name.